0: This is the Cave of Solitude your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the mega city metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host Eric Anthony and this is episode 283. Every time I think of the name Sean Daly, I, I got to uh, give a shout out to Jay Clark, who would say it incessantly on his podcast, even when he was talking to people who had nothing to do with you, he'd always say, Sean Daly, Sean Daly, and it, it forced me to look you up, and I'm so happy I did, because uh, you've become one of my favorite creators, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, I, I sincerely mean it. So. Without further ado, everybody, Sean Daly's back. Welcome back to the show, Sean.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. What a what an intro. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Well, I mean, shout out to Jay Clark for sure. He uh, and still to this day, every time I see him at shows, it's uh, nothing but hugs and smiles. And uh, he, yeah, he's he's been a an awesome uh, friend. So um, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, just uh, the whole community is amazing. You know. It's such an i'm happy excellent... you've had
0: such a good experience with it all like that's so nice to hear somebody who's positive these days like yeah. you're always a positive guy and i and that's one of my favorite things about you because i feel like the books that you create now are very much of a reflection of your the like the endearing quality that you have just as a person well thank
1: you thank I... you
0: I mean I could be wrong. You could be an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, it's you know, I think that
1: like it's it's I mean, I have no sense of the type of person that I am to other people. I know like who I am to myself, but Mm -hmm. like I I don't know if it's all that easy to to be able to understand the way you come off to other people. So Yeah. I don't know. I'm happy to to hear that it's not like, oh this guy again
0: Yeah. I I think the same thing because I mean everybody's. I started off just as like this fan walking around these shows and and going places, hoping maybe to get somebody to agree to an interview. And I always felt completely out of place, and uh, you know sometimes a little starstruck unnecessarily because the guy on the other side of the table is just a guy like you. But you right. never know. Like, do they think I'm a creep? Am I just another guy with a podcast, like this big nerd? So you you know. Nothing you can do about it, but uh, try your best, right?
1: I mean, I think it helps if you're a big nerd, if you're walking around talking to cops as, people.
0: As, as as far as like maybe um, buying <laughs> books that they're selling and all that sort of thing, like they're always happy when there's a fanatic. But you also was like, "Hey, can I? You want to be on my podcast? Like, who who the hell are you?" So, yeah, I get it, man. I get it. But you
1: know what? I I find that as long as the approach is respectful. Yeah, um, and there's clearly like politeness and sensitivity for time. I think it's totally fine. Right. I, and that was just the way that I always felt like when I was approached by, you know, people asking to chat at conventions. Like, as long as it's respectful, I'll give you all the time that I can. Right. And yeah. I, I think that a lot of people at conventions are like that as well. Um, you and I know so. that. What's that?
0: You would hope so, right?
1: You'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, yeah.
0: It seems yeah. like it's uh it's becoming a lost art of knowing how to be kind to people because yeah. we can so easily uh, say whatever we want nowadays with our fingers and uh, <laughs> yeah. we just it's almost like this reckless abandon sometimes where people just that's it I you're you're not friended and it's like what, <laughs> would you do that if I, we were always talking in person like I don't yeah, know I, I
1: see it all the time I yeah see it the, but like that's I that's the know. world today that's where we are yeah yeah so Why I try to do all of my socializing uh, outside of the realm of social media.
0: Yeah. um, Again, and and your social media uh, persona, because I think that's what they become in a lot of ways. And yours is just your art. It's always really exciting to see stuff you're working on, it's inspiring to see that you're you're sticking to your guns every day, making sure that you're putting work out. And um, it just makes you excited for the work you're doing. and that's yeah. it.
1: Yeah, that's that's all that I ever want it to be. Um, it's too easy to get swept up in uh, a lot of the echo chambers that we spend a lot of time in. Uh,
0: good. Yeah. Good good way to put it. That's a really yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. Do you have a, an echo chamber sometimes that you find yourself heading towards or do you try to fight it off?
1: I I mean, I think it's inevitable that we all end up in these, you know, these echo chambers to these like compartments of society that we end up spending a lot of our time in, especially if a lot of that time is spent in hobbies and things that people are passionate about. You have these very loud voices kind of shouting in every single direction. But a lot of the times, if you're in a certain community, those voices will align and they'll all be saying the same thing. Um, And that's fine and good, uh, but it's always good to kind of stand back and ask questions um, and try to try to um, observed things from almost like a well, definitely a different perspective and just to you know, stand back and kind of remove yourself from from these voices sometimes, which it's hard to do with when social media is like everything, you know? Like it's everywhere. It's
0: And it's 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 almost like I mean we're we're off we're on a different tangent than we usually are, but it's pertinent, I feel, to the stuff that you make. And that's I bring it up because I don't know What I know about you are the things that I would usually want to know about a person when I get to know them. Like, I know what kind of books you like. I know you like video games and wrestling and, you know, your (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle t-shirt tells me something about you. But I don't know, based on social media, your stance on any of the things that have happened in the last three years. Uh,
1: And, like, I mean this with the most respect possible, but it's no one's business but, like, my own. And I...
0: That's amazing. I, that's amazing. I think
1: that's, I think that's really important uh, to like you know keep a strong sense, uh, sense of identity um, and to really understand who you are. So,
0: Where does that come yeah. from for you? Where do you get that from? Because you're a pretty low key guy as far as when you you're not loud and you're not you don't have to be the most you know uh, you don't got to be the biggest person in a room. Like when I go to cons, I really have to like look for you because you got your head down working. You <laughs>
1: yeah, know? I well I. I guess it's because I would rather let what I'm doing kind of speak for itself rather than just talking. You know what I mean? Like I would much rather be able to say, um, Hey, if you want to know how I feel about um, this subject or that subject, go read my books because a lot of the way that I feel about the world is written and drawn into those books Uh, and those thoughts and ideas Um, and the feelings that I have, they're all in there. Like if you go read Terical, there are a few stories that are about some touchy subjects. Um, And I would just rather not talk about those. I would rather write about them. There's enough people talking about them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everybody's talking about, I don't even want to mention uh, some of the stuff that's happening in the news. Everyone's talking about it. And it's good that they are. It's not a bad thing at all. These things need to be discussed.
0: That's Um, the key. They need to be discussed. Yeah, yeah. there needs to be dialogue, and that's the that's what becomes missing in the echo chamber, right? Is that now, this is, and and I think the bridge builders creed. When I revisit it, right, with everything that you just said, I could go down a road of thinking, oh, he's trying to say this about this community, or he's trying to say this about this thing here, so he's this leaning, whatever it is. Or, I also read it with, this is a person who is in your, in this, everyone should read Bridge Builder's Creed, first of all, it's a really great graphic novel, um, and there's no villain in it, Mm -hmm. as far as I can tell. Yeah, I mean... It might be Yodo for some. Some people might say, you know, there's enough of these old people who aren't progressive, and want to stick to their old viewpoints, and that's the villain, of the, but I, I feel that's the person that is kind of reflective of all of us.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. He, He's all he, of our
0: avatar in whatever we believe in.
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's a very good way to look at it, uh, and in a very interesting way. It's nice to hear that, because I generally don't like to flat out say, yeah, this was my intention. I would rather hear you tell me what you believe um, my intention was, <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I read it. it I was reading it today again uh, and going over the the parts that I really like about it. Um, I love the way it opens. So the Bridge Builders Creed, for for those who didn't listen to the first uh, episode about the Kickstarter, it takes place in Sean's universe. Of, why don't you tell us? You tell us what it is. I shouldn't be talking about your book like that.
1: No, no, I... I... Uh, it's hard for me to actually talk about this stuff because like it's I and I don't know why it's something I'm still trying to figure out with myself why it's so hard for me to talk about the work that I do but yeah it's uh, it's a book that's about um, an old man he was the last bridge builder in this fantasy world called Terracol. a war swept through destroyed a lot of things uh, a lot of their society including pretty much all the bridges that he and his team helped build over the years and so he kind of goes on this journey across the land looking to rebuild them um, just to find that the world that he knew before the war is changing really, really fast and he doesn't know how to keep up with that. I feel like that's a fair way to describe it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that is fair because you're not it, it really makes the the we can all kind of relate to that, whether you've moved from one country to another. Um, uh, one city to another.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Got I mean, married.
0: You know, Whatever it is, like there's things in life that cause the paradigm shift, right?
1: Even even going back to what we were just talking about, social media. Uh, I was looking at TikTok the other day, which I know has been around for a long time. <laughs> and there's this part of me that's just like, I don't want any more social media in my life. Like I don't want to adapt to the, you know the new platform. But then the other part of me is like, no, you like kind of have to if you want to, Yeah. you know, uh, keep in touch with, with uh, the generation that's using it and, you know, share your artwork with them. Like, you kind of have to be on there. But then, the you know, the yodel part of my brain is like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you, you just stick to what you know. And it's just like, that's not going to help me, you know.
0: I think, I think, um, pardon me. I think there's a value to both viewpoints because sure, the, yodel, yeah, yeah. the yodel part of you and this is when I'm reading it, I see myself sometimes more of a yodel. That's the, the character's name who you, you follow on his journey of growth and also also um, him coming to grips with the f- finite aspect of life, which is also very – I got to tell you when, when the book came, it was right when my stepfather died. almost to the day and I was very very um comforted by this package that came in not that you knew that was happening but it all was like a little pick me up because it had the Bret Hart commission in it Mm -hmm. it had the original art which I have hung up on my wall because I didn't know what yet that page was about but it just looked like something that I could relate to in the moment right the old man in the bed anyways um when that came in, I was, it hit me at a moment where I'm thinking about the finality of life and you're thinking about things changing around you and how they're going to change when you now have a, a a mother that's a widow. Like, you know, how do you adapt to like all of these things where you just want what was, right? Yeah, because there was a value in it, right? There are certain, I'm at that age where I'm like, there's something better about our cartoons and it isn't just because they were my cartoons. There was just something better about a time where like Yodel and I know I'm talking too much, but building the bridge built community. It in and, and the, the tools and the things used, the, the the wood and everything. Like I love the portion of the opener where you say everything has a heartbeat, has a story, mm-hmm. even an idea. And I'm like, man, Sean can write. Like this is <laughs> this is really good. For me.
1: It's yeah, it's I mean that opening scene is something that, like, you know, I didn't just write that. Like, I actually think that. That's something <laughs> that, like, I believe, uh, regardless of whether or not the character does which he does. But uh, that's something that I think of all the time. It's just how these things in our life, even if they're inanimate objects, um, yeah. they're in our life and they tell the story of our life. Like, I have a ton of board games and magic cards <laughs> over there sitting on the table right now. And, yeah, they're just bits of, and pieces of manufactured plastic and cardboard. But those things have been in my life for, you know, decades. And they're very important to me. And those tell the story of my life. When I think of those things, I'll always think of the time that I spent growing up. Um, and that will always mean something to me. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, everything in our life is, is just a part of our story.
0: I, and I love I love stuff like that. Like I, <laughs> like I think about that stuff all the people say oh you overthink you think too much I'm like but I'm 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 thinking because we're kind of uh obsessed with story and I and I find it and this I wanted to save this kind of topic of discussion for another time I think I said it to my wife in an episode around the one we're about to release but the when people react to things that you're changing in the story universe and they say you're kind of ruining my experience with it we all say all oh, grow up don't be a yodel but the story of those things they it's like ah oh, like Bret Hart screw job it's like oh you had to ruin like something good that was where we were going with it you you know
1: right yeah it's it's funny because I feel like the Bret Hart Screwjob just created a new sto- like a legend, basically, like a new story.
0: A new, completely uh, yeah. new one.
1: Yeah. Uh, that we may, we'll never know, but I feel like it's something that, you know, if the Screwjob never happened and we were never talking about it, would we even be talking about that moment in Bret Hart's career? Like-
0: yeah, as unfortunate as the Montreal story is, it, it adds to the legend of the character and the business and it's it's such a game changer right and and so where you were in that moment and all of the things surrounding it tell a story about your life too mm-hmm. and Absolutely. so i i understand people's sensitivity to story
1: for sure yeah um but then there has to be that part of you that kind of accepts that you know things change things are going to be different um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i think that there were a lot of Non comic readers who watched the recent Thor trailer and they had a really big problem with the idea that, you know, Thor could be a woman, that they would be changing that up in any which way. Um, And I mean, that mindset presents a different set of problems, but uh, you shouldn't reject things like that just because it's out of the norm of what, you know, you've always liked and what you've always known and what you've always seen. Uh, it's it, it sets things back when you can't, you know, look at something like that, and you don't necessarily have to be excited, but you really shouldn't hate, just be hating it just because it's not what you grew up with.
0: Are you referring to the Jane, the Jane Foster yeah. Thor? Yeah, it, it, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. It just there was so much backlash about that, and it was just like, I re- I really wish a lot of people could have. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people did, but I wish more people would have read the comics because they were so cool when, when, you know, she, Jane was Thor. It was just very neat. It was fun. It was yeah,
0: so fun. there's precedence for it. This is my thing. If there's precedence for it, let's exactly. go with it, right? When they exactly. when they change things to accommodate the trend, or to That's... you know shut people up to say, look at, we're on the right side of something. That becomes, that starts to become a little, uh, what's the word? The sincerity doesn't feel there; it feels a little token. And uh, what's the, I always the, telegraphed, like you—you you can sure. predict. You, can, you I shouldn't see it coming. Right. Right. Sure. So I there's there's and and I think with Bridge Builders Creed, metaphorically, the balance there's a constant thing of the importance of balance in everything yeah. that you approach in building a bridge and ever, making sure there's an equality, even in how we view things.
1: Sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and you know what, sometimes it just takes us a little longer to, to find that. And that's okay, too. Um, as long as, you know, the will to actually learn and to change doesn't ever you know, go away.
0: Yeah, learning something every day and challenging yourself every day, I think is so key to us being people, the human experience, you got to be willing to learn something new every day That
1: honestly, that's what keeps me going with art. Is the idea that every time I sit down, I've always said that every page that I draw is kind of like practice for the next page, um, and hopefully that every time I sit down and work on something, I'll learn something new. Um, and I mean like every time. I don't mean like you know once a week. I every time I sit down and work on a page, I want to finish it up, put it down, and be able to look at it and say, uh, here's something I've never done. Here's something knew uh, that I've tried mm-hmm. it just makes everything more rewarding yeah from, from an art artistic standpoint anyway
0: yeah no I get it um what's something that you've learned about yourself through making uh, Terraquil Bridge Builders Creed even uh oh, I love this book Better Place that was so good
1: <laughs> so the Bridge Builders Creed actually that was made over That was, I think, I started that in like 2016, and I finished it in like uh, 2020, 2021, maybe end of 2020. It took a long time because I was doing all these projects in between. So I, I learned a lot while I was drawing that book, and you can tell artistically the style changes quite a bit from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. And there was a point where I had thought that I would just scrap the whole thing. Like I actually stopped drawing it for a full year because I thought, why? Why would I finish this when I'm not happy with the way that it started? Right. Um, I should just scrap the whole thing. Um, it's going to look different by the time it's done, and it's going to be inconsistent. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, I learned that it—it's way better to just get something done and out the door than to try and make it absolutely perfect. You know, I'll—I learned so much during that book about. My like the style that I draw in and the tools that I use to make art I'll apply that to the next book and on that book I'll make sure it has a consistent uh, style from top to bottom even if it takes four years uh, again even if it takes four years I'll figure out how to make that consistent and then that way I will have learned um, so I really it blows my mind that that book almost didn't get made because I, I, I'm quite happy with the way that it turned out But
0: uh, I love I that I, you're like that I like that you have that uh, approach of it doesn't have to be perfect because people sometimes become so wrapped up in everything being perfect, and you know sometimes it works out that it it was delayed for a reason. It was it comes out when it's ready to come out. I believe in that wholeheartedly, and but I like the fact that you didn't you approached it that way. But you also said, "I'll even include the rough parts. It's like a band who records a, the start of the album, the first couple songs on one type of engineering module, and then they finish it real, real polished. Mm-hmm. And the whole album kind of like sounds like a growth. It's like, why yes, don't they just course, yeah. Why don't they just blend it all and make it sound engineered? you know, because that, that could wear on you. On the eyes in the case of the art or even on the ears but if you he- see it for what it is it's like that's cool
1: it's very cool it's it's uh it's yeah a lot of bands do stuff like that uh, and i mean you can even stretch it out and go from an album to like an entire career and you listen to the first works that an artist does and then you know 10 years later they're in a they're in the same genre, but in a completely different style, like sonically. And, you know, their songwriting has probably improved. Uh, I love actually listening to kind of the original works from some of my favorite bands and just being like, wow, because especially with punk bands, like there was a there aren't many punk bands who sound the same from their first album to their last album. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some, from the 70s but a lot of bands that yeah. started in the 90s and that are or even like the 80s and the 90s that are still making music in the 2000s like completely different completely different sound um well and even I love,
0: something as popular as green day right from where they did oh, dookie <laughs> to the uh oh what was the big album american idiot american idiot became it was like a punk album that was like a musical
1: yeah that's right yeah uh they definitely i mean in the early 90s, uh, they, what was the first album? I think it was 93. Uh, if I'm not, I'm probably wrong. But even back then, like, they were writing, like, punk music. It was awesome stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, like, their music was still fun, but it became pop-punk radio music. And that's fine. That's, like, totally a fine thing. I still like that style of music. I enjoy it when they play it. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to kind of analyze that and to see, you know, how how far they've come uh, with their art. Uh, and obviously that's not just Green D. That's a lot of, yeah. but that's also a lot of cartoonists and, and comic book artists. Um, it's just so much fun to analyze. And once I started doing that, I actually started feeling a lot better about releasing the Bridge Builders Creed.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. happy you, you approached it that way and that you did release it it's it's uh you know, you got artists like a Dr. Dre who won't ever release detox because he's such a perfectionist. and it's like I don't know if anyone else I know you care and that's important and and but I I went back to the beginning of the book after I finished it because in your epilogue portion, you explain like there's the me at the beginning, the me at the end, and I wanted to George Lucas the whole thing and redefine, you know, but you left it, and I went back and I flipped through it. I'm like, that's so cool, because it also represents the growth in the character.
1: Right, yeah. Well, that's exactly it, yeah. It's, it's just based off of real life in, in more ways than one. Yeah, which it, just, I, it I worked mean,
0: out, and that's perfection. The accident, yeah. per- perfection happens, I think, by accident.
1: A lot of times, yeah. Right? Uh, it's a hard thing to force together. Yeah. And even if you can, you might drive yourself hear
0: me all right <laughs> yeah i can hear you the last the last okay. thing you said was crazy and we lost you for a second but we're back
1: okay cool.
0: technology so, uh, yeah. right oh
1: my god it's just uh, next time we do this fun. we'll do
0: it in person
1: oh that sounds good yeah it's been uh, kind of hard with the state of the world recently but right yeah, that'd be awesome
0: okay uh we were talking about the perfection of art and how sometimes you just gotta let it let things go let it out there put it out there in the world and see what it becomes and and uh like with this podcast there's a lot of <laughs> technical <laughs> difficulties but i think we're having a good conversation regardless uh
1: oh, of course
0: better place the it's just so good it really thank
1: is thank you yeah i'm i'm uh i'm proud of that book it's and not just because um not just because i'm happy with the way the artwork turned out or that ended up with one of my favorite publishers top shelf uh i'm happy with that book because of all the feedback that i've been getting from parents who have been reading it with their child to help teach them about the you know the concept of death and losing a family member and dealing with grief uh there's been so much feedback from parents a lot more than i was expecting and to to read that and to understand how it's helped people has just meant so much. So honestly, it's just a—it's been a, an amazing experience working with with Top Shelf, and Dwayne on Better Place.
0: Honestly, man, uh, this is this is a special one because I think it's something that kids will be able to read forever. It—it it isn't something dependent on being in a specific decade, technology-wise, nothing like that. These are just a human story of imagination of of important things that we all are gonna face. It's so Right.
1: Good. Yeah, it's uh, Dwayne really knocked it out of the park with his script. He worked on it for a good good long while and he uh, I'm glad that he did because it just turned out so well and it was so much fun to draw.
0: You, uh, you knocked it out the park.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was a ton of fun. And yeah, I mean I hope I hope you're right. I hope that for a long time moving forward kids and families can kind of and not just kids and families, but to be honest, anybody who's yep. dealing with grief and like trying, you know, dealing with the loss of a loved one, can. I'm telling you, this man. And, you the
0: know. two books you that I read of yours this year were really important to me.
1: Thank you. So, Thank you. That's
0: awesome. And I'm not a, I'm not a kid who lost a grandpa, but for anybody who's going through it, it it gives you a little bit of solace. Is right. That the right word. Yeah, I think that's the yeah, right word. Yeah, yeah. And it's and the good thing is that it's. It's, there's nothing that can be said about it that is controversial.
1: Like, it's <laughs> that's, foolproof. That's probably, true. that's probably true. I hope that's true.
0: It's definitely <laughs> true. Have I you, can't. there was a, there's a YouTube um, comic show, I don't know if you know Near Mint Condition, where he mm-hmm. always gets the, the scoop on things that is going to be released from Marvel, omnibus wise and all that. Anyways, oh, okay. cool. he did uh, best of the year stuff with all the stuff he gets and your book was on the, on the list in the top 10, I think. really (laughs) yeah I'm serious and and it was against everything like whatever was released within that year from every company it made I don't know if it was the top 20 or top 10 but I I watched the episode just because I saw the icon of your I'm like oh that's great that it's like you know being seen this this widely
1: oh that's awesome I had no idea Uh, but it's really nice to hear that you know again uh, people are reading and finding value in it because really I think that's that's like one of the biggest things when you're making any type of art is obviously you have to have uh, the part of yourself that finds value in in what you're making but uh, it's always a very nice bonus when other people find value in, <laughs> in what you're releasing uh, it's yeah it's a very nice feeling it's yeah very
0: it's well deserved Definitely well deserved. I have to ask you. I got wrestling questions lined up, but I have to ask this question because um, I've been meaning to for so long. You've. I don't know if it's by coincidence or what the or if it's something that you gravitate towards. But you've got this um, fascination with grandfathers, grandfather figures.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Where does that come from? Like some people are good at writing female characters and. You know, this character, that, but you have a thing with drawing endearing old men.
1: Right. And I, <laughs> I think it's, uh, if I, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. And, and the reason is I most likely will want to tell stories about uh, either children or the, the elderly. Mm. Uh, I, I don't love telling stories about people my age. <laughs> just because i look around and you know i just find the idea of uh you know uh somebody who's lived a long time uh kind of having this full life to look back at and possibly decisions to regret uh just just to be much more interesting than uh you know somebody who's halfway through their life and still figuring it out which obviously that, that's not to say that that is not interesting it certainly can be Um, But I just find it more interesting to tell uh, perspectives from people who have been around for longer and seen a little bit more. Uh, And then on the inverse, I think stories about youth and people really, really just beginning to start figuring out the way that the world works around them and to start learning more about their own lives. Um, I find that interesting too. It's kind of like, you know, uh, and then there's the middle, which is, you know, middle-aged people who are
0: Assholes. probably,
1: yeah, it's either like they're, <laughs> they're, they're too confident and it's, you know, they're not that uh, interesting. Uh, and again, I say this and it's probably, uh, obviously it's not completely true, but uh, I just feel like I'd rather explore stories from the perspective of youth and the perspective of the elderly. I just...
0: That's really cool more fun yeah I I wasn't sure what the what your answer would be to that but uh, I I'm that's great and I see it and I understand it in your work and I think it's a great perspective like it's two completely opposite viewpoints that have a level of both innocence and jaded sure. innocence yeah. there's because yeah. there's an innocence to people when they do get to a certain age where, they don't know what's going on. Just like kids don't. But they've yeah. got all they've got the different view of why you shouldn't why you shouldn't worry about it and then the kids are all, oftentimes not worrying about those things either that middle-aged people worry about. It's a really no. cool way to see it.
1: Yeah. Uh, 100%. That's you know. I I I fully expect that most of the stories I tell moving forward and the ones that I can I can say this for a fact because all all the ones that I have written right now and ready to go they're all about like younger people and even Lost Souls which just came out is about a young princess and her uh, her friend happens to be like this old skipper uh, who has like sailed around the world so it's yeah kind of like a story about, yeah about youth and uh, the elderly uh, kind of commingling and mixing together and uh, it just makes for some very fun. Uh, clashes of perspectives i guess that you might not get with yeah. um, a bunch of middle-aged
0: people <laughs> no a, and there's a lot to learn right that's right. where you learn a lot of things from from your grandparent and also the they, they feel revitalized when they have a grandchild like it's it's a really cool relationship i like that sean yeah you're yeah. You're, you're you got a lot of depth to you <laughs> i appreciate it Absolutely. all right i got you for a little bit longer so I, we got to get into some in ring stuff I want you oh, to do some fa- fantasy booking for me oh let's do it okay we're, we're the worst kind of people the Monday morning, morning <laughs> quarterback but we're gonna book it so that it would be you know the greatest matches of all time let's if book it. if Sting came to the WWE earlier during maybe the just after the invasion like he still had some gas left in the tank how do you book him where do they go with it
1: so i'm guessing that this is after wcw so after 2001 we i'm there was this weird grace period um oh, yeah. where there, you know there was no wcw wrestlers uh, for a long time and then in around 2002 they all appeared out in the war so let's just theoretically say this is during 2002 the end of the attitude era the beginning of the ruthless aggression era um he sting debut would debut um with like a bang the way that Chris Jericho debuted, uh, immediately against the rock. Uh, I would pit him against, uh, Undertaker, uh, for sure. I mean, and that would be the first chapter of a, an incredibly long storied, um, rivalry with the two of them. Yeah. It, it would have to be, it's the most logical thing out there, but also like it's logical because it sounds so, so good. Uh, we never got that, and I know that Sting has said many times, like, "Hey, I would have loved to do that back in the day, but wasn't in the card."
0: Yeah, his transformation of the basically like the better version of the Ultimate Warrior to the Crow, which is the yeah. WCW version of, I guess, Undertaker. I can never.
1: Th- it was the closest thing they had. Yeah, you know, this mysterious, mystic figure that uh, didn't say too much but every time he showed up you paid attention and it was uh just something magical about it you know
0: yeah it was so good yeah and it and it uh he became more known for that character that version of himself it's pretty cool how he has two iconic very iconic figures that you automatically know like that sting (laughs) But yeah. they don't look anything alike, <laughs> no, except no, for the it's, face it's, being painted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Other than that, the bleached blonde hair and the colorful makeup from surfer thing. That uh, you you don't yeah. There's like no connection in personality, which is one of the reasons that the character works so well. I think because you had this uh, young, chipper, vibrant surfer dude, basically. Um, not speaking for a full year dyeing his hair black, growing it out and becoming uh, you know this demon of vengeance (laughs) it's like such a weird thing Uh, but it worked man, did it ever work that's
0: the the, and that's the only unfortunate thing is when the big payoff came, they botched it they botched it so bad (laughs) yeah,
1: but that full year of waiting was pretty pretty cool yeah,
0: yeah and I and there again goes the point of like, there's an importance to story that you build up that you gotta execute it because if you don't, ah, uh, it's like the woodakudas just don't stop yeah. coming. It's right? It's
1: hard hard to stick the ending. You know, it's uh, it's really hard. It's, uh, I mean, but we're talking about wrestling, you know, wrestling bookers back in the '90s. They didn't care. <laughs> radio, no. Like, what's gonna it's gonna shock people, not what's gonna make people happy.
0: So it yeah, it was. It was always something was like a, a a spin to it. It got to the point where, why am I tuning in anymore? It was almost like watching Freak of the Week TV shows. It's like for uh, sure, That's, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. started to become like that a little bit. Yeah. Um, would Sting be the the would would it have been better for Sting to be the one who ends the Undertaker streak?
1: I. I, to be honest, it, that's a huge theoretical. I don't know. Um, I, part of me wishes that the Undertaker streak never ended. I'm um, actually, I think it's cool that it did. Um, and I'll never forget the feeling of uh, like, I watched that WrestleMania, I think it was 30, was it? I, oh, no, maybe it wasn't. I can't remember um, which one it was, but I remember watching that WrestleMania in a movie theater with like 200 other people, um, back when like Cineplex would like host all that stuff. Um, and the, it was (laughs) wild, man. It was so wild. Just hearing everybody just immediately shut up. It was such a, yeah, such a wild feeling, but, uh, it's like one of the most memorable moments of wrestling that I have. I think it was cool the way they did it, but I still don't think that they should have. That's, that's a hard one.
0: Yeah. It, it's almost better like at that point just leave it be because like why
1: yeah and like I understand you gotta give the rub to somebody else and really like put them over and make them a big deal but it should have been his last match I think they should have told the story about the old gunslinger who like went down shooting but still couldn't pull it off Yeah, um, but you know and maybe that was the plan but then he came back and then he came back and then he came back and he'll probably come back
0: so. <laughs> I I don't know how he would do it because that guy like, there's some guys where you realize when you look at their their catalog of matches and the type of stuff that they did and how long they did it for. Man, you put your body through some punishment.
1: Yeah, you absolutely do, uh, in and out of the ring for a lot of those those uh, the older generation.
0: Yeah. Oh man. When I when when I see that some of my favorites are still alive, you know. I'm always I always have a, a feeling of gratitude not because they're they know me or care about me but it's just like yeah that was that was my Saturday morning escape this guy me believing in him and when you find out that so many of them are like their lives are shortened or 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 done in like ah oh, such a disappointing way another person yeah. in, a, in a hotel or you know
1: yeah yeah it uh, the road took its toll on a lot of those people
0: oh man it was really um, like the circus.
1: Oh, big time! <laughs> big time! It's was, it was probably worse than the circus. Yeah, probably, yeah. To be honest, um, I mean, it was pretty bad for the animals, but uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's just just a bad time, I think. Um, and which is weird because a lot of the old timers often like celebrate that you know those were the days. It's like really mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like passing out in a bathtub and like waking up with no money was like a good part of like that doesn't sound like fun uh and i know that like a lot of the the old timers these days will kind of um you know kind of ridicule the younger generation for playing their nintendo switches in the the dressing room instead of you know like drinking and smoking and (laughs) and all of these ridiculous things that uh that uh, they just got used to living like that but now you know the the younger generation of wrestlers they seem to want to really like take better care of themselves so that they can do this for a long time and that's awesome yeah. it's amazing
0: yeah the the thing i like about the older generation of it was more i appreciate now i guess because i know so much about wrestling which is kind of contradictory to what i'm going to say but i like the camaraderie and brotherhood aspect of there's certain things even if we don't like each other we protect each other and there's secrets like we got it's kind of like that that secret society aspect of the performer that i mean when you're when you're a smart mark as they call it you you already kind of knew those things but you needed to be somewhat initiated right yeah and i like that aspect of our era when we were kids i should say that's the part that was cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was like a a secret society of sorts. Yeah, it very
0: mafia-like just, in a way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> especially in some parts of the world, it was literally mafia-like uh, in a few different ways. Yeah, uh, you know. But I and there is still that that mysticism around the art of how it's done that always yes. blows my mind. Like when yes. you. When you hear uh, two competitors in the ring you know whispering to each other it um, about what moves are coming up next, it's amazing uh, because not only do they have so little time to communicate, they have so little time to react <laughs> and to understand and to interpret what the other person is saying or doing yeah um, and it's wild it is absolutely wild if anyone is listening and you know they're they, they think that you know wrestling is just this completely choreographed thing uh, go watch some videos about how they actually do it and it might blow your mind because uh it maybe used to be a lot more choreographed back in the day but today the wrestlers essentially have created their own language that they use in the ring to tell the other wrestlers like what the moves are and what what they're going to be doing next and when they should reverse and when they should go outside the ring, um, and it's wild it's just so cool to hear it's so fascinating yeah uh, and and you know what as a huge wrestling fan i still don't know you know the ins and outs of this language that they're speaking essentially it's uh still a mystery to me which i find a ton of fun
0: yeah and and when i can when i look back at matches that i grew up watching many many times uh i watch for different things now yeah. because i've i've read the books or i've i've listened to interviews and um you and it, and it doesn't take away the magic in a weird way it adds to it yeah because yeah. because you realize and and this is the thing like it it doesn't it sounds ridiculous to try to defend something like this but it is roman gladiators of today telling once at once i don't know about now but telling somewhat of a moralistic story of psychology Between two people, live, mistakes will happen, and oftentimes Mm -hmm. they don't, and they hide them. And it's very violent, but extremely protective of each other.
1: Yeah, like their job is to make sure that the other person lives through the match.
0: (laughs) And they have to know how to do public speaking. Like, they've got the skills, I guess, of a comedian, right? Working a crowd and making them love or hate you.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you've
0: got to be extremely athletic.
1: Yeah, in a huge way, like a, it's and live, like on live television and in front of a, you know sometimes thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. Um, you know, no pressure. <laughs> like Every
0: a, week, like it, I, 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 yeah. I see old footage of the Attitude Era, and watching like the best of Stone Cold, right, his best moments where he from when he first says Austin 316 to when he's putting concrete in Miz McMahon's Corvette, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you yeah. just hear his promos evolve and change and you remember when they were so raw.
1: So, so much so, yes. Right,
0: no pun intended. But yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but... Um, that, that to me is like one of my favorite parts of wrestling is to uh, listen to... A, a super solid promo. There's like nothing like it. Um, every time I hear Jake the snake speak, I still get shivers um, to this very day. Just because um, he doesn't, he's not, what you know, when a lot of people think of a typical wrestling promo, they think of someone like Hulk Hogan yelling, uh, you know, brother this and brother that and pointing uh, to the, to the crowd. And, you know, just still a lot of machismo and energy. Uh, and then you hear jake the snake speak and it's like oh my god this guy sounds like he would actually kill me yeah because like he's just whispering the whole time he's speaking slowly he's speaking methodically he's not yelling at you it makes him sound so much dangerous so much more dangerous than somebody who's actually just kind of screaming their head off at you um and that oh gosh just yeah it just gives me uh, chills when i think
0: about there is a shakespearean factor to it all when people knew how to speak
1: yeah big time
0: and what to say and it's one of those things where you go back and you realize like you couldn't make it to the top of this game if you didn't know how to (laughs) even even the guys who they say like oh he wasn't good on the mic well actually he was pretty damn good because he, he was blurring he was really blurring the lines like like i said to you last time you know Brett, didn't have catchphrases like he did. You know, I'm the best there is. Boring ones. We all repeat. But it's not like if you smell what the rock is cooking. Like, not didn't right. have that. The yeah. crowd chanting back at him. But that's right. Yeah. You you were like, oh, he does really hate that guy. Like he means it. It it didn't seem. It was almost too real, and maybe it was. But you couldn't tell yeah, because I'm sure a lot of was. right. It was, it was, I'm there sure was, it was an animal authenticity animal. to it when he would say like, I would stick the anima right here in Buffalo <laughs> or Pennsylvania. Like, <laughs> right. A good yeah. line. Yeah.
1: You yeah. know? Yeah. It, but he was such a great speaker too. Like he, um, I believe like everything that he says. And I think that if he came up in the current generation of like WWE where everything is, you know, um, just grossly scripted I don't think that his personality would have come across no uh the way that it it should have I I kind of saw that a lot with uh was it um John Moxley now in AEW but when he was in WWE his promos were amazing when he was allowed to do them but uh most of the time he was just reading these garbage scripts that did him no favor uh, right. And now, you know, that he's in AEW, it's like every so- time the man speaks, I kind of put down what I'm doing and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm learning about writing when I listen to him talk. That's how good he is. And
0: they got to do that every week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough to do it once. You have to. Live. It's, yeah. Live. Yeah. It's it's wild. People really. um You know, I I get it. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but there's so much to appreciate that it's kind of funny that people mock it (laughs) the way that a lot of people
0: do. Yeah, like this person's going out there live having to not flub or lose himself in what he's going to say. But Stone Cold did not sound like he was following the script.
1: Nope, and I don't think he would have (laughs) if... If, uh, if they told him to. Right. It's quite on, in character, yeah.
0: But like how clever he was and how uh, there wasn't any mess-ups. Right, And If, yeah. there, like, if there was, it, it made it feel more real. And I'm watching these these top ten lists of his and I'm just like, he did that every week. The Rock went out there every week. And had, no wonder like this guy is a perfect fit in Hollywood. Like he's way more trained.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he was just also very natural. I like you remember when he was Rocky Maivia.
0: Yeah, was bad
1: in like '96. Yeah, and he was just smiling, and that was his gimmick. Was he came out and smiled basically, and then once he was like Vince, man, you got to like let me be me. Like let let me be kind of who I am, which is like very, you know, obviously turned up to eleven. He wasn't actually the Rock, like the the (laughs) character that he was playing. Um. But he was just this kind of like cocky jackass and he did it so well and he was kind of being himself in a lot of ways. I feel like he, you know, yeah, he's clearly not like that um, when you, when you see him online and doing things. Um, but I don't know, maybe he is, maybe he is. And that was just the real him that this whole time.
0: Well, I think you, like you said, you got to take something about you and you got to turn it up to 11. And we all kind of have that part of us who's either super nice and always ready to help people or the dark side of us, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just turn it up. My last question for you, because I know you got you to gotta run. Uh, if you were a wrestler, would your finisher be a submission or a pinfall? It would be an
1: impact finisher. <laughs> it would be uh, some type of strike. Oh. Uh, and yeah, and then and then a pin. I like kind of what um, Moxley is doing right now, where he'll hit them with an impact finisher, his double arm brainbuster, whatever the paradigm shift, and then he'll put them in a submission immediately instead of pinning them, and then they just tap out. <laughs> uh, it's very fun. It's a very cool setup. It's, uh, two really neat moves. Um, so you know what? I'm going to change my answer to both. Ah. Yeah, impact into a submission.
0: <laughs> I like those. are Those are good moves when uh, it was you, when wrestlers had that both of them in their repertoire, it was always more fun to watch because you didn't know which one would be used because they were right. both so, you know, quote unquote deadly. So and I know people don't like talking about it, but I'll say this one. Kurt Angle had the two and you never knew.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, you did. He had the right? Ankle and the Angle Slam. Yeah, yeah I was
0: going to refer to Chris Benoit, but I said that's, you know. <laughs>
1: A yeah, he rope. did have to as well. Yeah,
0: and even the, the the they both and they both adopted the triple suplex. Where right? I'm like, that's that's great that they both kind of took that from each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, the three amigos. Just yeah, beautiful. Yeah,
0: that's so good. Well, thank you, buddy. I I hope I have you on sooner than later because I could. There's so many more things to talk to you about and wrestling to get into. But... Yeah.
1: I'm sorry it took so long for me to actually uh, <laughs> to well, get this set up.
0: If you're up for doing it sooner than later, I, I'm totally down.
1: I am. I absolutely am.
0: We'll down. do a whole oh, one dedicated to just wrestling questions for you.
1: Oh, that would be amazing. Oh yeah. my god. I'll yeah. I'll make let's...
0: sure. Well, let's do that.
1: Let's do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> all
0: right. You take care. I'm looking forward to all the rest of the books coming out. Where can people buy the books? if they want to get a hold of stuff that you've got on the shelf right now.
1: So honestly, like Easton and I have been doing, you know, a lot of self publishing, uh, the best way for things like lost souls is probably just to connect with us online through like Twitter or Instagram or any of our social accounts. Like we're very receptive when it comes to, uh, just kind of talking with people about the books and the work that we're doing together. Uh, we both have books with SourcePoint Press, uh, Better Places Available from Top Shelf IDW. And yeah, we've also got new books kind of coming out that will be on Kickstarter uh, very soon, actually, um, including more Samurai Grandpa. So it's just some stuff to maybe look forward to for comic fans.
0: I'm looking forward to Lost Souls. I, I know I, I, I supported the Kickstarter, but I'm very bad at filling out the surveys in a different email, so I don't know if I filled out my survey for Lost Souls, so I'm going to do that
1: now. Uh, if you didn't, we'll we'll let you know. We've okay. got all that uh, being taken care of, actually, in the next week,
0: so expected. Yeah, okay. Thank yeah. you, Sean. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks
1: for all your support. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely, It means a
0: lot. Always. Always. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go buy those books. <laughs> Take care. Thanks.